I bring greetings in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. My name is Joshua. For those who are meeting me for the first time. And uh, I love the Lord Jesus. Uh, it has been an honor since Tuesday to be talking to you about the patterns of the cross. Or the pattern of the cross. And uh, for those who are coming for today, we began on Tuesday by illustrating how the cross was such a mystery from the book of Genesis all the way through the Old Testament to the New Testament. And we agreed that every time there was a monumental moment, there was a very serious moment in the Bible, the cross was always the power behind the scenes. Paul now concludes by saying in 1 Corinthians 1.18, the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The cross was there before even Jesus came to Golgotha. The cross was there as a mystery. And if you have time, you can go pick the recordings in the various platforms that the media will direct you to. On Tuesday, we looked at uh, the first posture of the cross. And uh, on Wednesday, no, on, on Wednesday, we looked at the first posture of the, of the cross. On Thursday, which was yesterday, we looked at the second posture. And today, we will be looking at the final posture. Who can remind us who, what was the posture of Wednesday? What was the posture of Wednesday? Sitting. What was the posture on Thursday? Walking. What is the posture for today? Standing. We begin by sitting. We go forward by walking. But we conclude by standing. Before I go to the word of God, allow me to assure some of you who came tonight. The Holy Spirit is going to meet you with your need. Do not lose hope. Do not be discouraged. The Holy Spirit is going to meet you with your need. Why does God allow the word to be shared sometimes before ministry is done? It's because Everything else will pass away, but the word will stay forever. The word will remain forever. Just focus on the word. I know you have a need, and I know you need the Lord just to come through. Be assured you will come through. And sometimes you may not even need hands to be laid on you. As the word is going forward, the angels will be taking up bits of that word and using it to meet your need. I repeat again, focus on the word. There is something that is going to happen tonight. Next time I'll have a more uniform amen. I, I, I wish I could do a choir of amen. <laughs> Let's look at standing tonight. In the book of Ephesians, the famous Ephesians chapter 6 verse 11 and jumping to chapter uh, to verses 13, we read in Jesus' name. Ephesians 6, 11, from verse, uh, uh, from verse 11, then we jump to 13. The Bible says, Put on the whole armor of God, that he may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Verse 13, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand. 
Jump with me again to the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel chapter 1. The book of Daniel chapter 1, we will read it briefly before we proceed to the message. Daniel chapter 1, uh, I begin in verses uh, 3. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring Satan of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princess. Verse 4. Children in whom was no blemish, but well favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace. If the Bible is yours, you can mark it. To stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. Verse 5. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. A training goes on for three years. But the objective of this training for three years is that ultimately those who have gone through this training, the Bible picks it there by saying, should stand in the king's palace. Afterwards, another word is used, should stand before the king. There was the palace, there was the king. Each required a unique ability to stand. We need to understand those two even as we continue with the message. There was the palace, there was the king. Each required a certain skill, a certain ability to stand. Immediately Jesus, our Lord, is born. Two powers rose up. The, the first power that rose up was the religious power. How did the religious power rose up? Positively, an angel came. And when this angel came, he made the announcement that Jesus will be born. In the temple, there was a man called Zechariah. The Lord Jesus had, 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 had informed him. I mean, the Holy Spirit had informed him that he will not die till he sees the Messiah with his eyes. Another intercessor called Anna, the prophetess, was also waiting in the temple daily with prayer in anticipation of Jesus being born. Positively again, you know when children are born, people are joyful. Things are always easy. Then after a while now, challenges begin to come. Positively again, a king rose up and he said, now all men must go back to their towns to be counted. And Jesus has to be carried out and to be counted like a, 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 a Roman, whatever, a Roman subject. Somebody who was living under the Roman system. Jesus is born. The religious power is active. The civic powers are active. Little does the parents know that these two powers will one day gang together. And they will speak with one voice. And they will say, let him be condemned. Let him be crucified. Nothing has destroyed people like these two powers. Nothing has destroyed people's destiny like the civic powers. The powers that determine how much money you have in your account. 
The power that determines whether you are eating toxic food or eating clean food. The power that determines whether you are sitting in the traffic jam or the roads are being expanded for you not to sit in the traffic jam. Nothing has made people lose their destiny like the civic powers. At the same time, even now as I'm speaking, nothing is limiting people like the religious powers or what we call the religious spirits. The religious spirit has a problem when I don't tuck in my shirt like now I'm doing deliberately. The religious spirit has a problem when you, when you don't look like a priest, when you don't look like a, a nice preacher. The religious power has limited people from reaching destiny, from reaching the fullness of God. And Jesus is born into the religious powers of the day. They were called the Pharisees. They were called the Sadducees. Nothing has stopped the move of God like the religious powers. Nothing has hindered the move of God. Not only in individual lives, but even in entire cities and in entire generations. Nothing has tried to frustrate God like the religious powers. There is a reason why I'm introducing this. We shall come to it shortly. In the book of uh, Revelation 19 verse 20, the Bible is just about to end. And we see the religious powers again. The Bible says, the beast rose up and also the false prophet. Some people only know about the Antichrist, Antichrist, Antichrist. But they will also be, be, they will also be the false prophet. The false prophet will be bringing religious power while the Antichrist will be bringing the civic power. These two, when they combine, this world will be fried. This world will be concluded. You can never hope to stand taking your cross before you make peace with whether you are ready to face the religious spirits or the religious powers. You can never take this cross and stand if you are not sure you are going to face the civic powers. Why are people wavering in their walk with Jesus? Why are many people wavering? The issues are just two. Civic issues of I don't have money. I don't have rent. I don't have my bills paid. Civic issues like I don't have enough education or I don't have enough connections. Civic issues like I don't live in a good neighborhood. I look forward to living in a good neighborhood. Civic issues like I don't have a good tribe that I come from. Some even say we, we are from the small tribes while them, they are from the big tribes. Civic issues have limited people from standing and seeing the victory of God for their destiny. David is about to kill Goliath, like we saw, I think, on Tuesday. And his brother comes forward and he tells him, hey, 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 we know you. We are the big brother. We know you. A civic authority was standing to oppose what God was about to do through his life. And some of you, without laying of hands, you just have to make peace with the civic powers that are trying to curtail your destiny. It could be a, it could be a spouse. It could be a brother. It could be the government. It could be the chief. It could be whatever it is. These civic powers are not a joke. And if you are not careful, if you don't know how to tell, tell them to sit in their place, you may not make it to destiny. Paul says now, you have walked. Now you are standing. And we need to look at this standing thing because the finality of the whole Bible 
is people standing. The palace was always existing before Daniel was born. The palace was always existing before Daniel ever came to the empire as a slave. The palace was always existing before Daniel even knew how to read and write. The palace was always existing before Daniel ever knew the name of the palace or the king in the palace. And I can add my own words by saying the palace existed long after Daniel had left the kingdom of Babylon and went back to Israel with the, with the, with the, with the whatever, with the people who are returning. The issue is not the palace. The issue is the feet to stand in the palace. The king was always existing before Daniel was born. His throne had always been melted and shaped and carved and made glorious before Daniel was born. Long after Daniel has left the kingdom, the throne and the kingdom was still there. The king is never the issue. The feet to stand before the king is the issue. Sometimes we are too keen to travel to the palace, to travel to destiny, to travel to the great places God has planned for us. And we forget those places were always there. The Bible says they were created before the foundations of the world. Babylon was always there. The kingdom was there. The palace was there. The king was there. The issue that has always defeated many, including those who will hear my voice after this, the issue is this. Can your feet stand in the palace? Allow me to read a favorite scripture I love. We'll pick pace shortly. A favorite scripture I love in the book of uh, uh, Genesis 41 verse 14. The Bible says, Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph. And they brought him hastily out of the dungeon. And he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came into Pharaoh. He came, other version says, and he stood before Pharaoh. Pharaoh was always there before Joseph was born. Pharaoh was there before Joseph was sold to slavery. Pharaoh was always there. His bed where he was going to dream was always there waiting for the appointed time. The issue was this. This young man, by the time he come to stand before Pharaoh, does he have feet that can stand? But come again, let's take the cross. This night, we have one business to achieve. And this is the business. We have to conclude before we have gone very far that the destination is not the issue. Hallelujah. The people to meet in the destination is not the issue. Okay? The geography where the destination is is not the issue. We have to conclude early in this game that where we are going is not the issue. Where the people we are going to meet are is not the issue. The issue is this. When finally it is time to stand, will we stand? For those who are looking for political office, maybe they want to be president in the year 2022. The issue is not the state house. It was there before we had independence. 
The seal of the Republic of Kenya was there before some of us, our parents, were born. The issue is not the house on the hill. The issue is this. When it is time to stand and to make your case before that house, will you stand? And sometimes we are so keen fighting forces and fighting and striving and worrying and sweating and all we need to ask the Lord, Lord, will you make me to stand? Heaven is already there. The day of judgment is already set. The white throne judgment is already there. The seat of Christ is already there. That is not the issue. The issue is this. That day when it is time to stand, will you stand? Paul says, having done all, all this fighting with the principalities and powers, all this wrestling and all this striving we do, all of it should lead to one thing, that when it is time to stand, you must be prepared to stand. Palaces have their own requirements of standing. And this is going to eat to the bone for some of you. And don't take it unkindly, amen? Don't take it unkindly. Palaces have ways of standing. When you look at Joseph, our brother we have just read about there, Joseph enters the palace of Pharaoh and all he did was stand. He didn't share his business card. He didn't take their mobile phone number. He didn't take selfies. All Joseph did was to stand. He didn't tell them about Jacob, his father. In fact, he pretended his father did not exist. He pretended his mother did not exist. Joseph just stood. He didn't tell them about his past history and how he had been oppressed and how he had been chained for nothing. He didn't tell them about his pain. He didn't tell them about his dream. All he did was to stand. Many of us, if we walk into a palace, if we walk into a situation where the Lord has opened a door for us, we are quick to be personal. We are not quick to be silent. We are quick to be, to be opportunistic. We are not quick to be silent. The palace requires that those who want to last long in it must stand, close their mouth, and wait for their chance to speak. And when they have spoken, they should stand back and listen to the reaction of their audience. Joseph enters the palace of Pharaoh and he stands. Immediately he is told, I had a dream. Not king, what have you brought me here for? There was a young man, I like to use him negatively in my preaching. His name was Absalom. The Bible says how he ran away after killing his brother Amnon. And after a while, Joab brought him back. And for about two to three years, the king refused to see him. The king refused to greet him. The king refused to kiss him. The king refused even to acknowledge him. And after two to three years, Absalom got mad. He said, Job, come here. Why did you bring me from, from, from the place where I was? Why did you bring me from, I think it was Turkish or something. Why did you bring me? Why did I come here? What am I doing here? And Absalom got a bit anxious, forgetting that when you are called to a kingdom, you do not talk, you stand. And he grew itchy and he wanted to meet the king. Take me to the king. And he said, go read your Bible. Even if I go and he kills me, let him kill me. But take me to the king. Absalom could not stand. And he's taken to the king. And the Bible says the king greeted him and he kissed him. 
but they did not talk. He was returned back. Absalom said, ah, that thing I've been shown by the king. You mean, you mean, you mean, you mean. He began scheming now to be the king. As all of you know, in a short battle, Absalom was dead. The kingdom cannot handle noisemakers. The kingdom cannot handle noisemakers. The kingdom can only handle those who are quiet. They cross to take, in fact, if you want to stand. They cross to carry, if you are going to stand, is to be silent. They may not acknowledge you for three years. Be silent. They may not acknowledge you for your gift. Be silent. They may not acknowledge you for your power. Be silent. They may not acknowledge you for your skill. Be silent. If Absalom had been silent, his father after 10 years could have said, my son, the pain I had is gone. Now, let us talk. Uh, Solomon will take over, but this is the role I want you to play. There could have been a negotiation, but Absalom was not patient enough for the king to negotiate. Let me tell you something about kings. And a king does not mean a politician. A king means anybody God has given a seat of authority, like the pastor of this church. That is a king. A king is anybody with authority from the throne of God. That is a king. Let me tell you something about kings. Because the greatest thing that can ever happen to you is when you stand before a king. Kings get angry. But they get angry like kings. This is how kings get angry. Before they have acted, they consult how far this anger can lead, how far this anger can go. By the time a king is opening his mouth, in the name of his anger, remember that all the cabinet officials are behind him. All the machinery that is so wide has been gathered slowly and now they are behind him. Before a nation can declare war, Remember, a cabinet meeting has already taken place and papers have been signed. Declaration of war has been published. All the, you know, the machinery of war has been put on alert and positioned. Finally, the king now can make an announcement. We are going to war. What people are seeing is a reaction, but what those who are in the know are seeing is a coordinated activity that has taken time. No wonder those who are quick to be angry cannot be given leadership by God. Absalom does not know that my father is angry, but his anger took long to climb. It has to take long to come down. Absalom does not know that when you stand before a king who is angry, you don't act quickly. If you stand before a king like now Pharaoh, who was anxious to know his dream, you don't talk quickly. I used to pray as a teenager and I was having so much faith when I was praying about kings and queens, my God, I was seeing the queen of England before me. I thought it was going to be a literal queen. <laughs> Little did I know that God has his own kings, God has his own queens, but the standard by which he raises them may not be obvious to our physical eyes. In this house, there are people with a royal anointing on their lives. You talk carelessly to them, something will slap you and you will not be aware of what slapped you. 
In this house, there are people with the royal anointing. They are men, they are women. You talk carelessly with them. You joke carelessly. You handle them carelessly. Before you know it, a slap will eat you. And you may not know, ah, what was that that eat me? What eat you was the anger or the wrath of the royal anointing. And I used to pray, Lord, I pray, send me before kings, Lord. And I could pray sometimes the whole night. Lord, I claim my position before kings. I will stand before kings. And in my little head in high school, I thought it is the queen of England. It is the king of Spain. I thought it was the physical, political kings who sit on physical thrones. God was gracious later on to tell me, uh-uh, I have people who carry the royal anointing. When they pray, things happen. When they speak, things happen. When they disagree, nothing moves. When they agree, things move. These ones, it will take humility and my revelation for you to see. You know, some of you, I know, hear Pharaoh. Or Nebuchadnezzar, you think of somebody in a, in a, in, 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 in speed cars, black Mercedes riding. You know, we are so modern, we think these people are so obvious to recognize or to see. Some of them were leaders of villages and leaders of small tribes. Yet before the heavens, they were kings. In this house, one of the things I will tell you, point blank, in this house, there are kings. In this house, there are queens. And if you do not know how to put your feet before them, you may delay your destiny. You may delay your blessing. Even in your family, even in your neighborhood, there are people God calls kings. And they carry an authority you have not, you are not aware about. They carry an authority you will never see with your physical eyes. It speaks in the heavens. It does not just speak politically. I like what a man of God preached one time. He was saying, <laughs> David is given food to take to his brothers. He's given lunch to take to his brothers. But he's their king. So, you meet a young man with a lunchbox. Where are you going? Where are you going, Dawoodi? Uh, I, I am going to take food to my brothers. Hey, and you children of nowadays, you don't even hurry up and you don't know this man you are scolding is a king. He gets angry and heaven gets angry. He gets excited. Heaven gets excited. He says this and heaven backs him up. And the problem with the brothers of David, they did not know that despite him being number seven, this is our king. We need to watch how we stand before him. We need to watch how we argue with him. Tell your neighbor, I've not been sent by man. I've been sent by the Lord. Don't say, hey, sasa tunachimbiwa mamboya kings hapa hivi. No. This is about the revelation of the Lord. Joseph comes before Pharaoh. And the Lord spoke to me when I was a teenager. He told me the day I give you the chance to stand before the king. And then I listened, thinking now, <laughs> Queen Elizabeth, here I come. <laughs> the Lord told me, the day I give you the chance to stand before the kings and the queens, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Be quick to stand and slow to move. One time I went to a certain ministry, powerful ministry. And I met a young, 
not a young man. He was in his 50s, but he looked young. Very brilliant guy, very chap-chap. And I met him and he was, you know, looking very excited, very, very technical. And I observed him the more I came to those meetings. One of those days he was given to be charge of, 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 of the men's department. In fact, he was not given. He went talk talked to the chairman and he pushed him aside. And now he was the one making the announcements. Now he was the one organizing the meetings. Now he was the one determining uh, how much will be contributed to take to the bishop. And before we know it, he's holding the bike and giving announcements, making plans out. We men, we are going to do this. And the man was all over the place. And I said... There goes, there goes, there goes hot calls that will burn out in no record time. Within three months, the man was out. The man was gone. The man was discouraged. The man was confused. He didn't know what slapped him. You come to the house of the king and you want to run the show? You come to the house of the king, you want to take over? You come to the house of the king, you want to make rules? After a while, something called discouragement will slap you and you will not know what was this. Something called confusion will slap you. You won't know what was this. Remember the previous statement? The palace was there before you. The king was there before you. The issue is not the king. The issue is not the palace. The issue is your feet. How steady are they? So Joseph is told, but is Pharaoh, stand here, speak, but speak after he has spoken first. And Pharaoh begins to say, I had a dream. And Joseph does not say, eh, eh? what was the dream? Why was it not a vision? <laughs> Why was it a dream? Why was it not a vision? Joseph says, mm -hmm. I had a dream eh? in my bed. I was sleeping at night. Why are you there with your wife? Joseph does not ask those questions. Joseph just listens to the dream when the king is done. Joseph does not even say, my name is Joseph. <laughs> when I was 17, I also had a dream. <laughs> you know, this generation wants to compare notes. They want you to bring your energy, they also bring their energy. You bring your knowledge, they also bring their knowledge. Joseph does not compare notes. He was brought to interpret, he interpreted. And I like what the Bible says. Joseph gave him the analysis, then he gave him the solution, then he closed his mouth for them to react. All this time, remember, his shoe can walk. All this time, remember, his feet can go there, can go here. All this time, he can say, go say, and he can go connecting and bonding and comparing notes with the officials of the king. Paradventure, they may tell the king a good thing about him, but Joseph stood there like a fool. And when it was his time to interpret, he finished interpreting. Then he told them, now, this is the solution I will give you. Go look for this man. And when you get him, you will be okay. And then he closed his mouth. And the same pattern we see with Daniel when he, met, when he meets uh, Nebuchadnezzar. He gave the interpretation. He gave the solution. Then he closed his mouth. We are using our feet to stand. And we are carrying a cross called silence. Because our Lord Jesus stands before Caesar. No, he stands before uh, Pilate. And the Bible says, Pilate kept threatening him, telling him, do you know I can set you free? 
Do you know have the power? Do you know? By the, are you the king of the Jews? Tell me. I adjure you. Tell me. And all this time, Jesus closes his mouth. Before that, he's taken to the high priest. And he's told words. He's threatened. He's told this. He's told that. And he knows, I am standing before the kings of this earth. I am standing before the powers of this earth. Just like Joseph who honored my father by being quiet. Just like Daniel who honored my father by being quiet. I will be quiet. I will let them talk. Because they have the seat that can allow them to talk. Paul later on tells Timothy, I adjure you by the Lord Jesus who made the good confession when he stood before Pilate. Jesus, in another word, who behaved himself. Every time I've taken some young people, I won't mention their name, they are not here because I've not taken any of them. <laughs> but every time I've taken some young people before great places, big offices, there's one I took uh, to a big house where the TV room was almost half of this church. And the, the young man could not help himself. He said, hey, 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 hey. You could think needles are pricking him. Hey, 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 hey. He began to unbutton his shirt. And because he was a prophet, he began prophesying nonstop. True story, I'm in church, I'm not lying. And we reminded him, my brother, tomorrow is your wedding. We are leaving this house by five. He said, no, I have to prophesy. And he began to tell these people how they will be wealthy and all these things. And the Lord told me, it is all a feet that is sliding before the king. This feet cannot stand before the king. I took another one to a five-star hotel. My God. And the things were brought. And arranged. <laughs> Holy Ghost. Fire. And there are two of them in this five-star hotel. And I watched them. And they began to fry. They began to talk. They began to say how when they get married, they want to own such a, a five-star hotel so that they can be eating there. I'm like, do you need to own a hotel for you to eat there? And they began to slide. And you could see their feet just dancing on the floor. And they could not help it before power. Some of you think you don't know how to talk till you meet power. Paul is busy kicking the church. Busy slapping. Busy, you know, persecuting. Let the man who founded the church appear. And Paul was like, hey, what do I do, Lord? <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> hey, Jesus. The Lord has an appointment with young people here. One of them is standing here. The Lord has an appointment with also older people here. Some of them are smiling. The Lord has an appointment with those who are hearing my voice as I'm speaking. He has an appointment for them to meet Pharaoh and make their case. He has an appointment for them to meet Nebuchadnezzar and for them to make their case. As he waits to make the day happen. These people should work on one thing. They should pray that their feet will stand. Paul does not say your feet should move. He does not say your feet should discover. He says your feet should stand. 
the cross we are called upon to carry when we stand requires number one, hold your feet, hold your mouth, even your eyes hold it. We go to the story of Esther. In the book, in the book of Esther, we see a man in trouble. Because sometimes you can be before the king, not to interpret dreams, but to save your neck. <laughs> so we see a man in trouble. He's called Ammon. And the Bible says he was brought before the king as the Esther had prepared the banquet. He was brought before the king. Then Esther accused him. Not just accused him. Esther spilled the beans. He say, she said, this is the man who is planning to kill us, oh king. And the king, the Bible says, was wroth. You know, like King James, wroth. <laughs> there is wrath and there is angry. When the Bible says wrath, it is wrath. <laughs> so the man is wroth. He goes to the garden to talk to himself. I love the Bible because it also shows me how to process frustration as a man. Ask my wife when I'm wroth. <laughs> I don't bang the dishes. I take a leave and I, I remain quiet. It is beautiful when men are angry but quiet. It gives them time to regain their honor as men. Because the problem with speaking, you never recall back what you have spoken. So the king is wrath. He goes to the garden to get more wrath. <laughs> and a man who was brought to stand before the king decides to move his feet a bit to save his life. And in the process of moving his feet, he goes and begins begging the queen. Remember the rule of the kings? Don't move around his palace. Stand still. He may be coming with a sword, but stand still. He may be coming with the chariots to kill you. Stand still. Was not Moses also told to stand still when the king was coming? The rule for kings is stillness. This man is coming to kill Pharaoh. God tells him, hey, 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 hey. even if he's coming to kill you, stand still. So Haman steps out of his seat, begins to take matters in his hands. He forgets he is not in his house. He is in another man's house. Only that this is not a man. This is a king. Then the king came back after he had, you know, removed his team. And he finds the man out of his place. And the king said, ah, 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 ah. Will you also wrap the key with the queen in my place, in my own house? Oh, 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 oh. And the Bible says when they had that, they covered the, in, the guilty man and he was taken away to await the verdict. The boss is angry. Do not rush to write letters of apology. Do not rush to, you know, send them pesa. Do not rush to, you know, use your cultivated measures. Just stand still. Why did Esther win? She did not win because she was a Jews, a Jewess. She did not win because she was called Esther. Esther won because she took her time before dragging her feet before the king. How did she take her time? The Bible says when Nebuch ne when when uh, when uh, uh, her, uh, her uncle no was it her, her cousin Mordecai came to give her the news. She took a bit of her time to research. Is it true? The news came back again. Hey, Esther, we are in trouble. Then she was told, if you fool around, God will raise somebody else. Though, So she said, take time for me for three days. Give me your backing. 
Because when I go in, I am not planning to do guesswork. I am planning to execute. Many are walking expecting to stand by standing in guesswork. I would rather you use three days. I would rather you use three years. I would rather you use 30 years. So that by the time you are walking in, nobody has to walk in again after you are done. Hallelujah. So Esther says, give me three days backing of fasting and prayer. No eating, no drinking. When I walk in there, I walk out with solutions. And this is where now the cross comes in. Stand over there, my brother. There is danger. There is an evil report. There is bad news. There is danger of extermination. There is danger of genocide. There is danger of bloodshed. There is danger of political, you know, upheaval. Esther knows all this. She is aware more than anybody else. In fact, if anybody is going to begin dying, it is Esther because she's the prime target. What does she do? She takes her cross. What was the cross? She begins to pray. She begins to call on the God of heaven with her maids. She knows her target, but she's not in a hurry to go to the target. She knows this is where the solution is, but she's not rushing to go to the solution. She takes time to brood before she can come and stand. Nothing has ever been decided in history than when Russia's men stood with God in the timing of God. Why are people failing in what they are undertaking? They are failing because they are not standing in the timing of God. They are standing because of emergency. Some are standing because of pressure. Some are standing because of convenience. But few are standing because it is the timing of God. Esther buys time. She takes three days. When the three days are over, the Bible says she did not go the following day. At Oh, king, I was fasting. Now I'm done with fasting. Uh, can we have a talk? No. The Bible says she sent message and she told the king, when can you come for a banquet? And she kept playing her path slowly and slowly, knowing that when I stand, I have to stand once and not miss my chance. The cross requires you not only to be silent, the cross requires you to be patient. Not to respond to danger, but to respond to revelation. Not to respond to pressure, but to respond to revelation. You move because revelation has said, move. And you stand because revelation has said, stand. Many destinies have been lost. Not because the devil is bad. But because the people who are pursuing these destinies were not patient. Many destinies have been lost, not because the devil was too strong, but because the field was not ready. Yesterday I was telling pastor about a man of God whom I love. He, he preached in the 50s, before even my mother was born. And this was his style of preaching. He was a revivalist, a healing evangelist. He had a PA, a personal assistant, who was very wise. He could tell him, my brother, I need to go to... This and this city. Go and prepare. 
And the man could arrive with one, one strategy. This was his strategy. Gather about a hundred to two hundred prayer warriors. Begin to pray and keep praying. And the number dwindles to fifty. Keep praying. The number reaches ten. Keep praying. The number reaches five. Now, prepare to pray. And that moment they could pray and within a few days or a few weeks, heaven could be completely open. The man could take the phone. Hey, man of God, come. It is done. Immediately the man arrives. He could not do a lot of preaching like now I'm doing. He could not do a lot of encouraging people like now I'm doing. He could only begin to say, thank you, Lord, you are healing. And healing could begin to happen very easily. Why? Before he came standing, Somebody prepared the way. And some of you, I know you cannot wait to go and stand in your moment, to go and shine in your, in the spotlight, to go and do your big thing. But remember, before Esther meets the king, she cultivates the path leading to the palace. Blessed are those who have cultivated their paths because their standing will be victorious. Some cannot just wait to be promoted. Others cannot just wait to be married. Others cannot just wait to be to be known in the press. Others cannot wait just to fly. Others cannot wait just to travel. But remember, the path is not the issue. The feet that will stand after that path is the issue. And that is why in this church, I want to make an announcement, though it is not in my place to make the announcement. If you feel the Lord is calling you to intercessory, my brother, my sister, join and let us call Jesus down. If you feel the Lord is calling you to prepare the path, you may not be given the, the, the opportunity to hold the mic. Some few men, some few women can be called to hold the mic. You prepare the way for those who are coming to hold the mic. As the glory is falling down, the Lord shall see to it that you are blessed. The move of God is lacking in many places. And even in families because everybody wants to stand. Few wants to beat the path. The Bible says, behold a voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way. The way must be prepared because the man coming will not be walking aimlessly. He will be standing in one city, in one point, and every place he stands, there will be a miracle. Jesus could be walking and when he stands, Bartimaeus is healed. When he stands, Zacchaeus comes down out, out of the tree. When he stands, Lazarus must be raised. When he stands, every place the master stood, there was a specific miracle. But bless God because somebody was selfless enough to prepare the way. Why do we come to pray like this night we are praying? Why do we come to cry on God like... Every Tuesday we are here crying to God for those who come. Some do morning soldiers. Why do we do all these things? We never know. But one day the path will be beaten. And you will just have 10 seconds to stand. And you will deliver a historic, a historic miracle that others will never deliver. The cross requires the path to be beaten. The cross requires the bearer who will come and stand to be quiet, to be silent. The cross requires you to be very, very, very wise. Because the results do not just come because of wishes. Results come because of proper preparation. The son of Jacob, Joseph. 
stands. And the king is quick to speak. Remember even Esther. When you go read your Bible, it is Esther standing and waiting for the king to speak. It is Esther having cooked, having prepared everything. It is the king who says, Esther, what do you want? And she says, if I find favor, can you come back next time? Smart girl, patient. When you have a baby, call her Esther. Smart girl. Oh, if I find favor, come next time. Next time again, the king eats and says, now, 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 Esther, <laughs> I can't help myself. Even half of my kingdom, my queen, say it. Then Esther opens her mouth. When she's done talking, <laughs> heads begin to roll. Why? Because she was standing, having made proper preparation. Anytime the Lord prompts you to fast about anything, even if it does not make sense, you just fast. Anytime the Lord tells you, pray about this particular matter, even if it looks the most strange thing, you just pray. Anytime the Lord quickens you, even to go together. One time I remember, I was with a friend of mine, we were living with him in Kibera, and we began walking towards town. Because those days we didn't have fare, we just used to walk to town. And we reached Valley Road and uh, Valley Road Sitam. And I told him, my brother, let us stand here. Let us stand here. He asked me, you want to go and urinate? I said, no. Let us go and pray. And I said, ah. So what are we praying about? I said, let us just pray. You, you, you pray, pray, you pray, pray. I told him, let us pray. And we prayed. And this is the word that came out of my mouth. Lord, when it is our time to travel, give us all the resources. And a voice told me, yes. On that day when he this friend of yours needs to travel. The resources will come by my own means. He did not know that in one year, he will get a green card to go to the U.S. And it will be the year of the recession. And two of his brothers, who he was very sure will support him, will be out of money. And this time around, he came to me for prayer. I told him, but the day to pray, we prayed. Now we only have to remind God. Why are we reminding God? Because we already finished our business with him when we had the window. And so he told me, what do we do? I told him now, let us just thank God, reminding him, Lord, remember Sitam Valley Road. When we went there and you spoke to us, and Jesus, you told us that on that day we need money for traveling, especially for him, the money will come. Lord, thank you because you are a covenant keeper. Amen. Money began coming after a few weeks from the most unlikely sources. One of the sources that contributed the most was a relative of his who used to live in the slums of Dandora, contributing over 50,000. I repeat, when you have the window to make preparation, even if it is a preparation for whatever it is, like now I'm not even a father, so to pray for our grandchildren will not really make sense. But should the Lord prompt me you hear? Should the Lord prompt me or prompt you that we pray for the grandchildren? <laughs> Let us do it. Why? A day comes and we no longer remember what we prayed. But because we prayed, we can now stand. Paul says, having done all, not some, all, anything the Lord pointed, having done it, now you can stand. Begin coming slowly. As Esther is walking to meet the king, the war had not ended. As Esther is walking to meet the king, the shouts for annihilation and destruction had not ended. 
As Esther is walking to meet the king, the plan and the plot to kill them was still intact. In fact, the Bible says Esther fell at the feet of the king and said, now reverse the decree that is out, that if it's not reversed, my people will begin to die. As Esther is walking, danger is still speaking. The fact that you are walking to go and stand before God does not mean all this noise that is trying to destroy your destiny will end. Some of you are fighting poverty. Poverty will still be saying, I am here, I'm not going away. Your job is to keep walking. Some of you are fighting shame and confusion. The fact that you are walking, ready to go and take a stand before God, does not mean these things will end. As Esther is walking, there is still grief in the camp of the Jews. There is still horror in the camp of the Jews. There is still fear that any time we may be killed. As Esther is walking, the enemy is still active. Despite of all that, what matters is this. The one who had finished with God is the only one who will stand. The one who has not finished with God will fall. Joshua is given a promise that is so personal to me in Joshua chapter 1 verse 5. He's told, no man will stand before you all the days of your life. Meaning, they will come, but they will not stand. Tell your neighbor, they will come but they will not stand. So even the man who has orchestrated this genocide against the Jews, as Esther is feeding the king, he is also there by invitation. They will come. That is not the issue. They will come. That is not the issue. They will surround you. That is not the issue. The issue is this. When it is all said and done, only the feet of the Russians will not be moved. Only the feet of the Russians will stand. And I've seen people going into parties they did not know the budget of. <laughs> I've seen people walk into, walk into ceremonies they had no idea about. I've seen people walking into houses and places they had no idea about. I've seen people just walking because their feet could walk, forgetting unless your feet is the feet of the Russians, you cannot stand. The cross requires you not to give in to horror, not to give in to fear. As Moses is told, stand still, Pharaoh is not standing still. Do not expect your enemy to play by the same rules your God has shown you. At the, ah, you know me nowadays, I don't have a lot of things. I'm not, I'm not a troublemaker. So why is the devil disturbing me? But you forget, even Moses, when you were standing, Pharaoh was still moving. Pharaoh was not standing. The devil not leave you alone despite the fact that you are standing. He will only come this close only to fall. But a man must decide. Like some of you must decide tonight. And some who are listening to my voice must decide tonight. That when it is time to stand, you are standing for something bigger than you. Look at the whole Bible. No man stood for himself. They always stood for something bigger than themselves. By the time Joseph is done standing, our whole generation is saved from famine. By the time Joshua is standing, our whole generation of new breeds who are promised a promised land are able to enter the promised land. By the time Daniel is done standing, our whole generation of exilees are preserved in the favor of the kingdom because one man standing for God is equal to one man saving many for God.
I know nobody is taking a stand in your family, but who knows by you taking that stand, you will save many in your family. I know many have yet to stand in your tribe, but it is you now who knows heaven may be looking up to, to take that stand. I know many have never stood in your neighborhood, but who knows? Who knows? It is only you who may save that neighborhood. There are neighborhoods where people don't wake up at three to pray. There are neighborhoods where people don't take a whole night of prayer. But who knows that one neighbor, that one person standing in the gap, standing for God will be the salvation of that neighborhood. Did not even Abraham ask God, suppose you find 10 people in the whole city, will the city be destroyed? God said, it will not be destroyed. All it takes is one man standing. The cross is when you discover it is not about you. It is about the whole humanity. It is not about you. It is about the interest of God. It is not about you. It is about those who have no voice. Those who have no feet to stand. One of the things Jesus came to undo or came to reverse was called, he will give eyes to the blind, but the lame will also walk. But they are not just to walk they were also to stand. The fact that you are physical lame people is a sign they are spiritually lame people. People who cannot stand for anything. I was sharing with a sister, a friend of mine, how the other day a man of God was asked, is homosexuality sin? Are those who commit, you know, homosexuality, are they sinning? And he gave a beautiful answer, which was biblical, putting the Bible straight to this man who was asking him this question. After a while, he went before a more prominent journalist who is feared in the all of the United States. And he was asked the same question. We hear that you said those who are committing homosexuality are sinning. What is your comment? And the man began to dance here. He begins to dance there. Then he danced there. Then he danced here. And he could not quote the Bible. He just kept dancing. He just kept using English. He just kept, ah, and our whole constituency. But we are hoping that there is one righteous man in this land was lost. I like what the prophet, a prophet now was asked to comment about him. What he said, he said, even Peter became stronger after he had been shifted. So let this man be sifted because now he will go and meet God with embarrassment and he will cry for mercy and the Lord will restore him. And who knows, the constituency that is now lost will be brought back to the faith. But let me tell you something, people. You may never know why the Lord is calling you to take a stand. You may never know. Some of us were born into broken places and it is our chance now to take a stand for God so that those coming after us have no excuse to keep breaking and broken, being broken and breaking so that those coming after us can say, hey, it is possible despite of what to have a stand. The reason why you youth should make sure that every chance you get you honor God is because you may be the last prophet in your generation to do the right thing. You may be the last person to show them that it is possible to say no to drugs. It is possible to say no to unwanted pregnancy. It is possible to say no to theft. It is possible to say no to poverty. You may be the last person heaven is calling on. 
But you may say, ah, I don't even have a toothbrush. Ah, I don't even have this. It is not about what you don't have. It is about who God is able to make out of you. And people are giving excuses. Forgetting that the men, oh Mashanda, the men who went before us, they had great disadvantages. The Bible says how they have to shave Joseph, meaning this guy was bushy. They had even to dress him up, meaning he was stinking and smelling and looking foolish and looking like a failure. They had to, you know, fine-tune him because he was out of shape. Yet, despite being out of shape, he had a stand. There is no excuse not to have a stand. They may have put you in a dungeon like Joseph. They may have shaved you. They may have done whatever they did to you. There is no excuse not to take a stand for God. Why must you take a stand? I repeat, the future may depend on it. Generations may depend on it. Young people may depend on it. Young mothers may depend on it. By the grace of God, had I not taken a stand, my God, there are things I could not be saying on this pulpit. My God, there is a boldness I have in this pulpit. I could not be having. The Bible says in uh, Proverbs 28 verse 1, the wicked runs, though no man is chasing them, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. There is a boldness you have when you are righteous. That is why you have to take a stand. Some poverty will not end, even if we prophesy, till you take a stand. Some imbalance and dysfunction will not end till you take a stand. Daniel comes before Nebuchadnezzar and as he's standing there, he is an exile. As he's standing there, he is a eunuch who is not allowed to marry. As he's standing there, he is a man who has been forced to forsake his language, to forsake his identity. As he stands there, he is a man who has been told, you are never going back home. As he stands there, we do not know where his mother is, we do not know where his father is. As he stands there, he has all the disadvantage a young man can have. Yet for three years, he kept cultivating his spirit. He kept cultivating his soul. He kept cultivating his body because one day he will stand and this one stand will even produce for us the Bible. You never know what God is up to. These people have all the disadvantage yet they appear in the Bible. We may not be writing another Bible but there is a Bible to be read on that day when you stand before the King of Kings. There is a Bible about your life to be read on that day when we shall all appear before the judgment seat to say before the Lord what we did in the flesh. This is why you need to take a stand. You need to take a stand because not everybody knows what you now know but the generations may be depending on their stand. The Bible says by the sin of one, the whole humanity was defiled. Now through the righteousness of one man, the whole humanity will be saved. There is always the power in one. One man misses it, a whole group misses it with him. One man gets it right, a whole generation gets it right. God is looking for people. The Bible says, I looked for a man to stand in the gap. But this gap was not to save this man standing. It was to save the city. It was to save the people. And tonight I'm raising my voice. I'm begging you young people. The Lord may be needing you. The Lord may be counting on you. I beg you mamas. The Lord may be counting on you. The Lord may be needing you. I beg you babas in this place. The Lord may be needing you. The Lord may be counting on you. Every day you take that stand. 
grain will come in Egypt. Every day you take that stand. Purity will come in Babylon. Every day you take that stand. Jordan will be parted into two. Every day you take that stand. What delayed Peter in proving himself as chief apostle? Jesus had already made him chief, but he was yet to prove himself chief. There is being made, then there is being proved. Many have been made, many have been called, but few can be proved. Ah, Peter is already made the chief apostle. He's already called the chief apostle. He's already known as the chief. In fact, every time the 12 people are being mentioned, his name is always number one. But there was a problem. Peter did not have a stand. There was a problem. Peter could not be relied on. There's a problem. In the prayer meeting, Peter could not be able to open his eyes. He could only close it and doze. There was a problem. When Peter is pushed to the wall, he will go for the convenient possibility. And he delayed his manifestation as the chief apostle. Why do you have to take a stand? It will quicken your manifestation. It will quicken your authority. It will quicken your destiny. It will quicken the glory God wants to prove to your constituency. Why do you have to take a stand? It will quicken the fire God wants to release. It will quicken the judgment God wants to release. It will quicken the blessing the Lord wants to release. And some trials you may be going through, it's not because of the devil, it's because the Lord is reminding you, we have been in this class for too long. We have been in this level for too long. We need to get out of this place and go to the next place. Immediately Moses leads the children of Israel out of Egypt. The first thing they encounter was water. Immediately Joshua takes over, the first thing he encounters is water. Did you hear what I said? Water in the mentor, water in the mentee. Water in the, in the, in the disciple, water in the, in the master. Every one of them faced water. The issue was this. When water was there, did they stand? Yes, they stood. No wonder we have the victory. Man of God had this dream, and this dream repeated, and this dream repeated. There is a voice telling you, my son, my daughter, you need to climb to the next level. You need to cross these waters. And part of the prayer we will pray tonight, Lord, help us cross so that we take our stand on dry ground. We cannot take our stand on the water. We can take our stand on the dry ground, but we have to cross. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I speak against repeated weaknesses. I speak against repeated weaknesses in the name of Jesus. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I overthrow every repeated failures in the name of Jesus. I speak against repeated failures in the name of Jesus. I speak against repeated barriers in the name of Jesus. I speak against repeated confusions in the name of Jesus. I speak against repeated uh, disasters in the name of Jesus. And I command every feet called by God, walk on dry ground in Jesus' name. So they all face water. But the strategy is one. The strategy is this. Stand still. Joshua has the mantle as the leader. But he has to stand still as the priests are taking their walk. As if he has no fit to walk himself. 
He was told, let the priest take over. Let them walk. Let them walk. You watch them as they walk. So the one giving the instruction is not the first to enjoy the miracle. He is the first just to speak. And some of you, what is making you not to be easy is because there are people going ahead of you. There are things going ahead of you. And you do not know that you have a greater place to stand before the king of kings and to watch as you wait for your turn. Because despite the fact that they are crossing the Jordan ahead of Joshua, they do not have the password for how the wall they are about to face is going to fall down. The Lord is calling you to a place of fatherhood, a place of leadership, a place of being big, a place of being king, a place of being the adult. Who does not compete? The sign of childishness is when people compete with one another. When people strive with one another. Forgetting that it is the place of adults to let children take over. So Joshua lets the priest take over. Because he knows after they have crossed, they still need him to bring wall, the wall down. Another rule for the cross, you have to be an adult. You have to be the adult. The high priest is arguing and threatening. Jesus is not talking. The pilot is arguing and talking. And even... You know, displaying his Roman powers. Jesus is not talking. Why? He was the adult. And he knew this man, mm -mm, his kingdom is temporal. Mine is eternal. His authority is temporal. Mine is eternal. And every day you stand, I want you to remember this, even as I prepare to conclude. I want you to remember this. The greatest stand we are going to take is the stand we are going to make before the judgment seat of Christ. For some, it will be a day of rejoicing. For some, it will be a day of weeping. For some, it will be a day of joy. For some, it will be a day of embarrassment. Because we shall all stand to give an account. We'll not give an account when we are sitting. We'll not give an account when we are walking. We'll give an account when we are standing. My prayer tonight is that may you see beyond this world. May you see to that day when you will be standing. So that every stand you take, you will be ready to repeat it when you stand on that day. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I've watched people in this house and in many other houses of God. And I've noticed one characteristic. Those who are the most stable are the most quiet. Those who are the most unstable are the most noisy. The stable ones have no time to rush up and down. The unstable ones are always rushing. They are always making noise. They are always threatening. The cross does not want you to do that. The cross requires you to be stable. The cross requires you to wait. The cross requires you to endure. The cross requires you to last and linger and linger. There is a parable I've always told you, but today I'll be more deliberate. There's a parable I've always told you in the book of uh, 
uh, I believe the book of Numbers, and even in the book of Deuteronomy, not, not Deuteronomy, but the book of Exodus. How Moses had a young man who was his PA, his personal assistant. And every day he went to the tabernacle or he went to the mountain, he could go back home. But this young man used to remain there a little longer. A little longer. The boss is already gone. And instead of the junior saying, hey, 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 the boss is gone. Let me rush home. Let me go enjoy myself. The man could linger a bit. He could linger a bit. Despite having stories of what God said in the place of glory. Despite having testimonies of what God is about to manifest to the people. Despite having oracles that he can go and write about or speak about. Joshua could remain lingering before God. My dear mothers. You are all parents. Allow me to talk to you with humility. It is very easy to know how far a child will go based on how his feet are steady. It is very easy to know. This one, if I take him to America, this one will be lost. But this one, if I take, this one will not be lost. Just based on how they use their feet. It is very easy to know. This one, this one is steady. This one is not steady. Just by watching their feet. Now let me talk to you fellow children because we are all children. If you are a child, say amen. You need to use a lower voice. Amen. <laughs> if you're a child, listen to me. It is very, very honorable when your feet are not quick, even in the house of God. It is very, very honorable when your feet are not quick, even in your place of work. It is very, very honorable when you measure your territory and you keep to your territory. It is very, very honorable. It is a sign to your destiny that you are going to make it and make it big. Joshua comes to the tabernacle. Glory has landed. God has spoken. Angels have conversed. Yet he's not in a hurry to go tell his wife. He's not in a hurry to go tell his mother-in-law. He's not in a hurry to go tell his local chief. Joshua lingers there, digesting and crushing under the weight of that glory, the weight of those revelations. The Lord spoke to me through a young man who was my schoolmate. He had finished three years ahead of me. So when I went back to teach in that school, I found he had also been a teacher. One day he called me, told me, young man, let me tell you something. When you serve milk, do not give milk. Give the cream. Retain the milk. So that tomorrow you can shake the same milk and remain with the cream. He was teaching me how to be deep and how to be steady. He told me, anytime you get a chance, do not share everything you know. Share the cream. Remain with the milk. Share the top, remain with the bottom. So that tomorrow, when they come back, you still can shake the same thing you retained and give them another little thing and let them go. You, you remain with your depth. I've never forgotten that statement he spoke to me. Joshua comes to the altar and he remains there. His boss goes, the prophet marches out, him he remains. And since I came to this assembly, I've never seen a young man linger and linger, and linger. Most of them are in a hurry to call Ubers and to do whatever they are doing. Most of them in a hurry to go, I five, take selfies. Most of them in a hurry because they are yet to know that the steady ones usually catches something even the prophet may not catch. Because in a short while, the prophet is disqualified from the promised land and the lingering one is qualified. 
Do not make me the standard. Do not make pastor the standard. The standard is Christ. Do not say, ah, provided I reach that guy, now I'm good. I am not the standard. The Lord whom you should seek is the standard. And when you seek him with all of your heart, who knows? The Lord may tell me, shut up, sit down. Let this one who has met me now talk to you. There is no limit to what you can become. There is no limit to how far you can go. It all depends on whether your feet will stand. There's a day I'm having a visitation here. Heaven was all over me. I was in fasting and my God, the visitation lasted for 48 hours. I went through the house. I could not eat. I could not even talk. I was all dizzy. That day I even knocked my vehicle. I was in a visitation and the glory was falling. I could see Jesus radiating over me and behind me there were people screaming at the top of their voices. And I said, what is this familiarity? The Lord told me, keep to me. It is you I'm dealing with. But I said, Lord, what is this? And I began to intercede for those young people. Next time again, the Lord visited me. And this time around, the noise was even louder. And I said, oh God, what is going on? The Lord said, concentrate on me. I'm not calling you to a religious practice of, oh, you are taught to linger, so you don't go home. No, I am saying be sensitive to every moment. Every moment you can be a Joshua. Who will take over from Moses? Every moment you can be a Joshua. Who will not succumb to what killed Moses? Every moment you can be bigger than your master. If only you learn to linger. But the good side of the story, there were some four wise women in front here. When they discerned the Lord was visiting me, they also sat there. And the same visitation came on them. They also began to cry. They also began to feel what I was feeling. And before we knew it, we had a company that was under the visitation. In the parking, men and women were still making noise. We are waiting for God to come, but God is waiting for us to be still. The moment we show stillness and we learn stillness and we learn how to linger and how to beg him and how to pull him down, I can assure you he will come. Who was talking when Elijah and Moses appeared? Was Jesus the one talking? No, it was Peter talking. It was Peter trying to act. It was Peter trying to run around. Jesus is absorbing the glory, being transformed like a caterpillar and being made something else. Peter cannot just sit and let also him be visited. He has to be running around. Glory will not happen if your feet are too quick. The cross will not shine when you do not know how to stand and how to linger. Every revival I went as a young man, I made a decision that when they are done dancing and when they are done laying hands and falling and when the preachers zoomed in his car and went away, I will sit there. I will ask the Lord, is there any crumbs remaining? Let me scoop it, Lord. Let me scoop it. Is there anything he said that I did not hear? Let me scoop it, Lord. Is there anything that you are to say that was not given chance to, to be listened to? Lord, speak it to me. Lord, trust me. And I begged God for years. You want to see the promised land? You want to, be, you, to, to see what Joshua saw? Your feet must be still. You must linger. You must linger. I was telling Irene the other, I think it was yesterday, how a move of God was lost in a certain country with one man. This is what happened. 
The prophet is, no, it was the apostle. The apostle was speaking and speaking the word of God and the glory was moving and people were being touched. Immediately, the local pastor came, took the microphone, began to make announcements. Now, this week, we are going to meet for prayer and na 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 and he made the announcement and the uh, prophet cried in the crowd, oh, you have stolen my move. You have lost my move for generations I will not come back to this country. You have become too familiar with my move. And the move was lost. Because a man could not just sit. A man could not be still. A man could not just stand. And watch God do his thing. Glory is always waiting for the lingerers. Let me call them lingerers. Those who shall linger. Those who shall brood. The Bible says, and they sat there at the upper room. We do not know how many hours they sat there. We do not know how many days they stood there. But after they had come to that oneness. Initially, there is a disarray. Because people cannot just be one immediately. But after a while, as they linger, as they linger, as they linger, the unity is perfected. And the Bible says in Psalms 133, where there is unity, a blessing that was not permitted, but was commanded, a blessing that was not desired for, but was forced, that blessing will come. I know you want to get married. Linger. I know you can't wait to have capital for your business. Just linger a bit. Do not rush to take initiative. I know you want to cross over to the other side. Just linger. I know, I know. I know you can't wait. But linger. Stand a little more. Stand a little more. Till the Lord has come. And when he has come, do not rush to say it. Remember the cream. Give them the cream. Remain with the milk. Remain with the real deal. Because tomorrow they'll still come. Those who come usually keep coming. But those who stand always keep standing. The takers will always take. The givers will always give. When you discover in the crowd you are the giver, stand like the giver. Let's be on our feet. I want to make a prayer tonight. I know you came to pray, but sometimes you just make few points and heaven will say, yes, it is done. I want us to make some few prayers tonight based on a few things the Lord has shared with us. Not everything the Lord has shared, just based on a few. I want us to agree, all of us who are here, that the Lord is not permitted to go to another person in your family. You are the person he has to come for. The Lord is not permitted to go speak to another person in your family. You are the person he has to speak to. The Lord is not permitted to plan another thing with another person in your family. It is you with a plan. It is you. It is you the blueprint. You are a young person. The Lord is not permitted to raise another person in your family to show them something. It is you to be raised to be the prophet. It is you to be raised to be the spokesman who shall speak. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And for those of you who have noticed, you know, uh, generational curses, whether of immorality, generational curses, maybe of poverty in your family, it is your time now to say, Lord, these are the things I am taking a stand against. These things are not going to sweep me. These things, I am going to face them with Jesus by my side.
Some of you are asking, oh, what is my purpose? What is God up to with my life? What is God up to? God has already shown you where he has made you stand. Just take the stand and mark your territory and manifest the results. Tonight, we are taking a stand, are we? You know what is wrong in your family? Let's begin with your family. And as you keep praying, if you locate another thing beyond your family, maybe your neighborhood, take it up. If you locate another thing, maybe in this local church or whichever church you come from, take the stand. If you see, I'm seeing somebody, you come from another church, there's a spirit of religion. You need to take a stand. Take the stand. You need to say, no, Lord, I am taking the stand. Some of you have seen, most of you, it is poverty and even immorality. You need to take the stand. Some of you, it is the spirit of death. You need to take the stand. Somebody praying. Some of you, it is the spirit even of early death. Yes, you need to take the stand. You need to say, Lord, I am taking the stand. Some of you, it is the spirit of discouragement. You need to take the stand. Some of you, it is the spirit of confusion. You need to take the stand. Tonight, we are taking the stand. We are no longer fearing. We are no longer running up and down. We are taking the stand. We are bringing judgment. We are bringing judgment to these situations. Yes, Lord, we are bringing judgment to this issues in the name of Jesus. Somebody take a stand. We are taking a stand even against the spirit of perversion in the name of Jesus. We are taking a stand. Those who have been perverted in your family or in your neighborhood, you are taking a stand in the name of Jesus. Yes, there is the spirit of failure, but no, it cannot stand before you all the days of your life in the mighty name of Jesus. It cannot stand before you. No spirit is permitted to stand before you because now by faith you stand before Jesus. No spirit is permitted to stand before you. You have to take the stand in the mighty name of Jesus. Somebody wrestle and make the stand known. Somebody wrestle and make the stand known. Not because of your power, but because of the power of the one who wants you to glorify the Father. His name is Jesus. Somebody take the stand. Take the stand against poverty. Take the stand against foolishness in the mighty name of Jesus. Take the stand. Take the stand in the mighty name of Jesus. Rababo Shanda. Yes, Lord, lift your voice, lift your voice. Take the stand against failure, generational failure, generational embarrassment. Take the stand in the name of Jesus. Take the stand in the name of Jesus. Take sabotage, let it not stand before you. Kick every kind of perversion. Let it not stand before you. Kick every kind of, of the destruction. Let it not stand before you.